gospel. Um, so I do want, Rick, why don't you come up here? I'd like us to pray um, for Rick. And I would like, just like a missionary, you stand down there. And, uh, and, and some of you guys come up here and join us. We want to be praying. This, this is, a, this is um, a major transition that he has been going through and is going through. And these next two weeks finalize something that for him is the um, biggest, newest step he has taken in 38 years. And so uh, this, is, this is a big one. Um, I was going to put my hand on his head. I don't, whatever. So, so let's pray. God, we thank you so much. Lord, I thank you for Rick, and I thank you for his heart and his uh, passion for you. And Lord, just his dedication to you over many, many years. Lord, I thank you for him and Didi as a couple, the, the example that they are and have been to many people over the years. Lord, we are privileged to have him uh, coming on staff with us, and really this is both of them, to have this couple coming on staff. And uh, Lord, we are privileged to hear you speak tonight. God, just continue to um, just to birth your plan within him and bring that to fruition. And uh, Lord, thank you for letting it be part of Church of Briargate too. And we give you all glory for everything that you're doing through all of this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I think this is the first time that uh, you've been here when I've spoken. Doesn't make me nervous whatsoever. By the way, it's two weeks, four days, 11 hours, 36 minutes. (laughs) Uh. I think the first time that I had the chance to speak here... I was supposed to speak a week later, and I get a call from Linda. <laughs> You're speaking this Sunday. <laughs> what? Because <laughs> Scott ended up in the hospital. So I asked Scott when he said, hey, will you do this Wednesday? Because I wasn't going to Florida. Because <laughs> I've been doing a, uh, you know, these lights are quite bright up here. No wonder you can't see anybody out there. <laughs> um, I wasn't going to Florida. Oh, there. <laughs> it's probably my shiny head bouncing everything off. Um, oh, you can't do that. not about me. Um, <laughs> I said uh, I wasn't going to go to Florida, mainly because I'm in the middle of a remodel. So hopefully having that done in the next two weeks. Four days, 11 hours. (laughs) But when it's Scott, I said, do you want me to work on Daniel or what do you want me to do? He says, "Uh, do what you want. And immediately what came to my mind is the names of God and really kind of a general topic of who are you. And that's kind of what the men's ministry theme is this year. Who are you in Christ? And that question often comes up. When you think about it, when you first meet somebody, you want to know who they are. You want to know about them, what makes them tick, what do they do. And oftentimes, it's more about what they do than who they really are, right? Because that's what people respond with. And so, we're going to talk a little bit about the names of God. We're going to talk a little bit about who we are. Uh, I found it quite interesting that we sung the... uh, Father's song by Matt Redmond tonight of uh, who God is, who we are with God. Uh, you know, when you think it's happenstance, it's not happenstance. <laughs> it's uh, ordained by God. Uh, years ago, we had a saying, a quinkadink, I think not. Uh, no coincidences with God. But that question, who are you? Often I think of a show that I was really engaged in to Didi Chagrin of CSI, whose theme song is Who Are You? And uh, it's a question we want to know. It's actually a question that has been asked of God all the way back. The, look at the first instance, back in Genesis chapter 32. 
We see one of the first incidents. There's probably others. But I think of Jacob as being one of the first when he's wrestling. Until Genesis chapter 32, we see during that night, uh, chapter 32, beginning verse 22, during that night he got up and gathered his two wives, his two slaves, and his 11 children and crossed at the shallow part of the Jabbok River. After he sent them across the stream, he sent everything else across. So Jacob was left alone. Then a man wrestled with him until dawn. When the man saw that he could not win against Jacob, he touched the socket, socket of Jacob's head so that it was dislocated and they wrestled as they wrestled. Then the man said, let me go. It's almost dawn. But Jacob answered, I won't let you go until you bless me. So the man asked him, what's your name? Jacob, he answered. The man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. He struggles with God because you have struggled with God and with men. And you have won. Jacob said, please tell me your name. The man answered, why do you ask for my name? Then he blessed Jacob there. So Jacob named the place, Penel, face of God, because he said, I have seen God face to face, but my life was saved. Then Moses, excuse me, then we're getting back into the next. So we see that Jacob is saying, who are you? Who is it that I'm wrestling with? Back in there, in that culture, by asking that name, you're asking who they are. Because you see it in thro- across cultures that the name is, is a very important meaning. In fact, there's some cultures who won't name their children until they're a little bit older, simply for the fact they want to give them a name that fits their personality, fits who they are. So it's just not any name. Here in America, we kind of give names, they have meetings, they have connections. Maybe there's somebody that in the, in the past of the family that was named that or whatever the case is. But the meaning of a name was even stronger when we look at that time frame, that biblical time frame. We see this again and was talked about and discussed. Uh, Pastor talked about this several weeks ago, he's mentioned it several times, in Exodus, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, when Moses is with the uh, burning bush, and God has said, go, right? And what, what was Moses' response? Who, who's sending me? Who, who is it? I know who you are. But who do I say that you are? What is your name? What, what is it that I tell him? And what did he say? I am who I am. Now when we look at that in the original, this is where we get the word Yahweh. And often translated, that same word Yahweh is often translated Jehovah. You'll find that uh, because as it morphed through the, the centuries, it got where the, the Israelites would not even say Yahweh. They would not even mention that name. It was too holy, too, too personal, too special to mention. In fact, you look at some studies and they say that we don't even know the true uh, pronunciation of the word. They've added some... Letters and whatnot, and we, we go by being Yahweh, but we don't know the true from the beginning what it was because they stopped saying it. That is who God is. And it becomes important. And so the question is, is do you know what some of the names of God are? What do you know as names of God? Adonai, for one. Adonai? Jehovah Jireh, or Jireh. Anyone else? Jehovah Sikhnu. There's, there's quite a list, actually. Elohim. Elohim. You look through it, there's actually, you look through the Bible, and there's various things that God has called, Right? So let's look at some of these tonight and have a better grasp and understanding of who God is on this. 
First one we'll look at is Jehovah Rohi. I'm going to probably say these wrong. Forgive me. Better scholars than I can correct me later. Jehovah Rohi is Lord is my shepherd. So you see in the in scripture a lot of times when you see the capital Lord, that is Yahweh or Jehovah translated to Lord. Lord is my shepherd. Where do we think we find this? This comes from mainly. Where do you think it comes from? Yeah, the Lord is my shepherd. David. Psalms 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd. Jehovah Rohe is my shepherd. He is my shepherd. He, he protects me, right? What does that tell you about God? What does that say to you? When you understand that that's one of his names, what was David trying to communicate to us? He's our protector, right? He's our caretaker. He's our comforter. Um, he provides for us. He's everything that a shepherd is to his sheep. Our corrector. It's one reason they have that, that shepherd staff, right? Two reasons. To guide, to direct, and to correct. He provides all for us, right? And I think that's important for us to understand as we're going through life that God wants to provide for us. But we also have to understand what it says in the New Testament of what? Seek first the kingdom of God. And what's going to happen? You seek first the kingdom of God and all. It's just some part. It's one of the reasons we have prayer partners, right? It's because God wants to provide. I was talking to somebody recently who was uh, having some vehicle problems. I said, have you prayed about it? Well, God doesn't care about those things, really. He doesn't care about those things. Yeah, he only cares about, you know, those, those more important of medical type, really. God wants to provide all. The Lord is my shepherd. He's going to provide. He leads us in the right spots. He protects us. He guides us. He goes looking after us when we wander off, right? And we look at the, that passage that says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things. What was all those things? Clothing, food, anything. roof, yeah, anything. And we think, well, why, why vehicles? Our society depends on transportation, right? If God's called you to something and you can't get to that spot because your car doesn't work, so he's moving behind things you don't even think about. And this takes us to the next name of God, Jehovah Jireh. The Lord shall provide. When you think of Scripture, when do you think that that might have been spoken the, the most, the loudest, the most intense? Who needed a provision so he didn't have to sacrifice his son? Right? Genesis 22, 13, and 14, we see that it's stated, In the mount, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides. It becomes important for us to get to understand who our Lord and Savior is, who our God is. When we begin to understand Him by His names, we then begin to understand how He wants to engage in our lives. How he wants to be active and moving in our lives. He wants to provide what you need when you need it. I have been stationed in various places and I have requested in a number of places thinking that's what I want and that's what we needed as a family and whatnot. And I've never gotten the places I've asked for. I've never asked for Colorado. In fact... We got it three times. In fact, I asked for not Colorado the first time. 
But I've never asked, I've never gotten what I wanted, but I've always gotten what I needed. I was always placed where I needed to be. God always provided the place I needed to get promoted, to, get, to take care of what I needed to take care of, to take care of the people I needed to take care of, to place me in the right place. It was not by chance that I believed that God placed me and Didi here in Colorado Springs. In fact, in 2010, I think Didi gave us a heads up that we were coming here because she had came to visit Nikki because of Nikki and her husband was stationed at Carson, and when she got done with that month's visit, she, I was deployed, and she said, you ever get Colorado, you're buying for my forever home, back in 2010. I said, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Nobody gets it. You, know, you don't ask for it. You don't get it. Two years later, Colorado Springs was on my wish list, but it was the last thing on my list because there's no way for us to stay here if I got promoted, and we were tired of moving as it was. We'd move so much. But it's not by chance God provided us to come here at the time he did and bring us back two more times as he did. He provided. How has God provided for you? If you look at your life, what has God done to provide for you and your family? Say again. When you're not following him closely. He even still provides because he knows where you're going to be. True. That, that's the most humbling, I think, to me that I've experienced personally. When you're not following him, he still, because he knows where he wants you to be. He wants to show you he cares about you. He's trying to get your attention. Wake you up. Can you see what I'm doing here for you? Right? The next one we want to talk about and look at is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. The Lord who heals. How much healing do we need in this world today? It seems that there's a whole lot more mental health healing that needs to be going on nowadays than ever before. Exodus 15. Verse 25 says, Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord set down laws and rules for them to live by, and there he tested them. He said, if you will listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what he considers right, if you pay attention to his commands and obey all his laws, I will never make you suffer any of the diseases I made the Egyptians suffer, because I am the Lord who heals you, Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha, I am the God that heals you. He wants to engage in our lives. This passage makes me think of the passage that says, if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves, seek after me, I will what? Heal. Oftentimes we look at the world and say, see, world, if you just follow God. But the first part of that says, who? If my people, not if the world, if my people who are called by my name, that's us. It says if you follow his and obey his commands, if you're trying, you're working through life, you're following his commands, you're doing what you're told by Scripture, and you're doing, the God wants to take and heal. He wants to engage in your life in a miraculous way. I was looking at something, I forget exactly what it was, but it was talking about where are all the miracles. God wants to do some miracles. I think uh, Scott was talking about it uh, this last week when uh, there was talk about uh, the miracles that were happening on the mission field. There's stuff happening out there. Why not here? Lack of trust, right? Lack of belief. We kind of have become dependent on medical medicine, haven't we? That's not a bad thing, but at the same point, and I believe that God has given wisdom to bring some of that stuff about, 
But we also know that there's some bad medicine out there. Say again? More now than ever. More now than ever. I often, and I know we have doctors and nurses that attend here, so it's not, not a knock to them, but I, I often remind myself that they are practicing medicine. <laughs> They're trying to figure it out. And I think we have great doctors and nurses that attend church. The one that makes them great is they also know where the power is to heal and their wisdom comes from. God wants to do some great things. He wants to do some mighty things. We have to be willing to engage. We have to be willing to allow him to engage in our lives. Jehovah Rapha. The next one's kind of interesting. I, I used to have a different understanding of this one years ago. Um, because, I, because of the term used and the way it was described. And I was, when I was going through this and, and getting prepared for tonight, I saw this in a different light than what I've, what I've thought about in the past. The name is Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner. The Lord is my banner. Now, the way I was taught and talked about, it was a covering. But when I really look at this, that's not what it's dealing with. So let's look at where we find it in Exodus 17, verse 11 through 15. It says, as long as Moses held up his hands, Israel would win. So we know about the battle, right? Moses was taken in his train, lifting up his hands, the Israelites would win. When his hand go down, the Israelites would lose. And Aaron and Ur came beside him and held his arms up because they'd get tired. How many of your arms get tired? You've got to put them down, right? And you need someone to come alongside you. Some days, some days in church, we need someone just beside us to hold our arms up because they need to stay up because God wants to do some battles in there and win. Eventually, Moses' hands felt heavy, so Aaron and Ur took a rock, put it under him, and he sat down it. Aaron held up one hand and Ur held up the other. His hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua defeated the Amalekites' army in battle. The Lord said to Moses, write this reminder on a scroll and make sure that Joshua hears it too. Catch that. Listen to this closely, okay? Write this reminder on a scroll and make sure that Joshua hears it too. I will completely erase any memory of the Amalekites from the earth. Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner. Banner, God is our cheering squad. He's out there supporting us, saying, Hey, great job. Banner is kind of like, you know, your, your team that has those banners that hang up in their stadiums. The Army loves to make sure that the Air Force knows how many times we won because it needs to be known because the Air Force thinks they're all that. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's saying what, what has happened. I find it really interesting that God wanted to make sure Joshua heard this. Joshua, you did a great job. I know it was tough out there, and the fight was hard, and I'm going to take care of that. But great job. You get a banner. Your team won. Isn't that exciting kind of here? That God wants to cheer you on. He wants, he's rooting for you. He's, he's not only taking care of you, helping you, train you, get you ready for whatever you got to face, but he's cheering you on. Yes. He's also the one, his banner, it is, is under his banner that we do battle so that um, he's not just our cheerleader, but his, his ensign goes before us. Yes. Uh, so that everybody knows that we are doing battle under the name of the Lord. And, um, and then there's the old, uh, I don't remember where the scripture is, but his banner over us is love. Mm -hmm. So. It's, it's so important. I mean, 
being in the Army, I'm not sure if the Air Force has similar, I'm sure they do, we, each unit has a set of colors, and you go into battle with those colors, and you, you know what team you're on. That's so important to know and hear that God cares about us enough that he wants to know that you're on the right team. And when you stumble and fall, he's going to be there to pick you up. And when you're doing great, he's going to cheer you on. Because he's got you. I don't know about you, but that kind of excites me when I, when I think about that. Who do you fall under? What, what's the banner that you got? You're not there alone. Sometimes it's easy, especially if you're single, to think... I'm trying to do this alone. And then you realize that you got the best team going on for you. It's not just those here, but it's thousands of angels in God that are going on. Say again. The host. The next one is, is very important. Because if you look at some, some uh, beliefs out there, there are beliefs that thinking it's all on us in our Christian walk. Jehovah Mikadesh. Out of Leviticus chapter 20, verse 7 and 8. Live holy lives. Be holy because I am the Lord your God. Obey my laws and live by them. I am the Lord who sets you apart as holy, or I'm the Lord that sanctifies. We can't sanctify ourselves, right? God sanctifies us. As we walk daily after him and we stay close to him, he takes and changes us more and more into his likeness. He sanctifies us. We must be willing to be sanctified. We must be willing, we must begin, we set ourselves aside so that he can sanctify us. Exactly. And initially, it's our choice. It, it is our choice. But it's not, there's many say that it's on us to do all by ourselves, that we can do it on our own, right? There are those, in fact, I have a buddy of mine um, who doesn't believe in the rapture. He believes that we are where we're at and things are just going to get better. And the world is just going to do that on our own with God there. I'm not sure how he gets it, but okay. <laughs> I've talked to him a number of times about it. It's like, okay, I'm not going to argue with that with you because it's going nowhere. God sanctifies us. We walk after him. He wants to change us more and more in his likeness. He sets us apart as holy. So we are to live holy lives, and he sanctifies us. The God who sets apart for himself and perfects that which concerns us. Next one should be fairly familiar to many of you. Jehovah Shalom. You know, Shalom is the Hebrew for peace, right? The Lord, is, the Lord who is peace. Not just about giving peace. He is peace. That should bring comfort into our lives. That means we can run to him in those times of turmoil and, and confusion and stress and have that peace, right? Philippians 4, what does it say in there? To give all to God, prayer and supplication, and then his peace that passes all understanding comes upon us. I mean, it's part of why Scott's asking for our prayers, He's going into a very tumultuous time. 
And if he's elected, he's going to a tumultuous place where there is not much peace. But he knows that the prayers of the saints brings God's peace into his life, into his family's life, right? Oftentimes, when we hit that struggle, what's the last thing we do? Pray. Seek after God, right? We go all the way around. We stress out on it. We get all worked up on it. We fight with our spouses. Instead of taking a moment and letting God's peace. Here's where we find it. In Judges chapter 6, verses 11 through 24. Gideon talks about it. The messenger of the Lord came and sat under the oak tree in Ophrah that belonged to Joash from Ebenezer's family. Joash's son, Gideon, was beating out wheat in a wine press to hide it from the midnights. Nothing like doing wheat in a wine press. Hiding out. Good old Gideon. Aren't you glad that our, our heroes of the Bible were much like us? We forget that sometimes, don't we? That the ones that God used, just like us, scared, wanted to hide out, and God says, you. What, me? Not me. The messenger of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, the Lord is with you, brave man. Gideon responded, excuse me, sir? But the Lord was with us. Why has all this happened to us? How many of you said that? <laughs> Lord's with you. Really? Are you looking around what's going on in my life and he's with us? Sometimes we've got to realize if he wasn't with us, it'd be a whole lot worse, right? I think his first excuse me was to go, what brave man? Who are you talking to? You know, kind of looking around. There's nobody else. Where are all the miracles our ancestors have told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and has handed us over to Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, You will rescue Israel from Midian with the strength you have. I'm sending you. Gideon said to him, Excuse me, sir? How many of you have said that? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Talking with Scott when he first started talking about this, and I think he kind of said, Excuse me? You want who? Excuse me, sir. How can I rescue Israel? Look at my whole family. It's the weakest one in Manasseh. And me? I'm the least important member of my family. The Lord replied, I will be with you. You will defeat Midian as if it were only one man. Gideon said to him, if you find me acceptable, give me a sign that it's really you speaking to me. Don't leave until I come back. I will bring in my gift and set it in front of you. I will stay until you come back, he said. Then Gideon went into his house and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread made the, with eight quarts of flour. He put the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot. So it wasn't a short time the guy standing out there waiting. Hours. Hours. <laughs> he made the bread, cut up the goat, cooked the meat, and the guy's waiting. He put the meat in a, in a basket and the broth in a pot. Then he went out and presented it to the messenger of the Lord under the oak tree. The messenger of the Lord told him, take the meat and the unleavened bread and put them on this rock and pour the broth over them. Gideon did so. Then the messenger of the Lord touched the meat and the bread. With the tip of the staff that was in his hand, fire flared up from the rock and burned the meat and the bread. Then the messenger of the Lord disappeared. That's when Gideon realized that, his, that this has been the messenger of the Lord. So he said, Lord God, I have seen the messenger of the Lord face to face. The Lord said to him, calm down, don't be afraid. You will not die. Sometimes we need to hear that in our lives, right? Calm down, you're not going to die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord. He called it the Lord Calms or the Lord's Peace. To this day, it's still in Ophrah. 
which belongs to Ebenezer's family. The Lord calms of his peace. So it's written in scripture that all these things in the Bible are written as in samples for us, which means that he used them because they are us so that he can use us the same as he used them. And that's his intention to do that. And I think that's very important for us to grasp and understand. Yeah, you're right. Because how many of us would go, you want to use me? I remember when I got my calling, I said, me? I don't speak well. You, go. At least you don't stutter. (laughs) No, I don't. (laughs) I just don't have the grasp of the English language some people have. But God takes us and he calls us and he says, calm down. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay because I'm with you. I'm your shepherd. I'm your provider. I'm your banner. I got you. As we say in the army, he's got our six. But he's got more than that. He's got our front. He's got our back. He's got all of us. Right? The next one we should recognize, it's the theme really throughout the Bible. And it's Jehovah Sitkanu, the Lord who is righteous. The Lord who is righteous. Who is that? Talk about Jesus in this. Take a look at Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 3 through 6. Then I will gather the remaining part of my flock from all the countries where I chase them. I will bring them back to their pasture, and they will be fertile and increase in number. I'll put shepherds over them. Those shepherds will take care of them. My sheep will no longer be afraid or terrified. And not one of them will be missing, declares the Lord. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will grow a righteous branch for David. He will be a king who will rule wisely. He will do what is fair and right in the land. In his lifetime, Judah will be saved. And Israel will live in safety. This is the name that he will be given. The Lord is our righteousness. The Lord is our righteousness. Jesus, we begin to see the Trinity in this, right? Get a different picture or better picture of who God is. How important it is to understand who He is through the names that are provided throughout Scripture. I thought that was kind of cool how that came out. The Lord is our righteousness. The final name we're going to talk about tonight, and then we're going to take and step into another part of this, is Jehovah Shammah. Jehovah Shammah. The Lord who is there. The Lord who is there. We find this in the last chapter of Ezekiel, in the last verses. Really, the last verse of it. It says in chapter 48, Ezekiel 48, 30 through 35, these will be the exits for the city. The north side will be 7,875 feet long. The gates of the city will be named after the tribes of Israel. The three gates on the north side will be Reuben Gate, Judah Gate, and Levi Gate. The east side will be 7,875 feet long. The three gates on the east side will be Joseph Gate, Benjamin Gate, and Dan Gate. The south side will be 7,875 feet long. The three gates on the south side will be Simeon, Ishkar, and Zebulun Gate. The west side will be 7,875 feet long. The three gates on the west side will be Gad Gate, Asher Gate, and Naphtali Gate. The city will measure between 31,500 feet, will measure about 31,500 feet all the way around. 
From then on the city's name will be the Lord is there. It's talking about the second coming. It's talking about the new heaven, new earth, and on that will be the Lord is there. He's here now, right? But there, in person, face to face. What a great thing to realize and understand. But it's important to understand even today, he's here. I think to that song a number of years ago by Bette Midler that says, God's watching. He's watching. He's watching from a distance. Song sounds good, and then she tosses that in from the distance. God is not distant. He's not just sitting back, letting the world do whatever he wants to do, and not engaged. He's engaged in lives every day. He wants you to have written on you that name of Jehovah Shammah. Is that name written on you? Can you say that you have that name of Jehovah Shammah on you? God is there. God is here. Because that's what it's about. All these names gives us an image of who God is. And we can go through scripture. I mean, there's a long list of various names. Uh, we gave the ones dealing with that. But we can go through and we can see uh, the Lord of glory, the Almighty, the Everlasting Father, a ransom, the temple, a sanctuary, intercessor, mediator. He's the Word, creator of all things, redeemer. I encourage you to just take your time and go through Scripture and begin to grasp who God is and allow that to begin to flow and think about those things and meditate on that and how that applies to you and how he's engaging in your life and wants to be a part so much more than he is. For some of us, we've accepted Christ and we're kind of just going through the motions, sitting back, whatever happens. We're not engaged in our own spirituality. We're just walking through it. And God says, I got something more for you. This is who I am. He's the bread of life. He's the lamb. He's the rock and my fortress. The sure foundation. Take time. I encourage you, just go through and list. And say, God, I want to have a greater grasp of who you are. I want to understand how you want to engage in my life. How I need to do and what I need to do to allow you that. Because as you go through and you begin to understand who he is by his life, the strong tower, our foundation, you begin to build up an image of what he wants you to be. As you understand him, you now can understand yourself. And you become better and stronger because now you're more engaged in saying, God, you said you're the God that heals. And I'm going to claim that because your word says it and I believe it. You're my fortress and I need that right now because things around me are all shooken up. It feels like sand that I'm, I'm on right now. And I need that in my life. And I need to know that you're my fortress. That you have everything in that place that I need. He's the tree of life. Some of us just need to know that sometimes, don't we? 
just a long list. And I'd really encourage you to take and begin to get an image of who God is. And as you get the image of God, who God is, you begin to see who he wants you to be. He's the head and body of the church. He's the husband. He is the, we are the bride. He wants to care for us. He is the head. How many of you allow him to be the head of you? The head of your home? Or is he just a bystander? And you pull him in when you need him. Hey, I need you in. I need you to take and, and, and get a home run for us. You need you to get a touchdown for us. Or is he engaged? Are you allowing him to be engaged? And are you going to him? I'm not sure what to do. What does James say? James says, if you don't know what to do, pray. And what happens? God gives you wisdom, right? He gives you the knowledge. He gives you the ability. Some of you probably sit down to do your bills, and I go, I don't know how this is going to work. Have you prayed about it? I don't know how I'm going to pay tithes and do this. Have you prayed about it? You know what your right thing to do. Let God guide you through the rest of it. I think about, I don't remember the company's name. Somebody might know the story and know the company's name. I don't recall the company's name, but there was a gentleman a number of years ago, started a company, knew him as a Christian, and he said, God, I want you to be my partner. And he started the business, and he was giving God the 10%. And he was doing the 90. And he was going through his devotions and, and just going through. And God said, I thought we were partners. Well, we are. But you only give me 10%. For partners, shouldn't I get at least 50%? So we started giving God 50% of his profits. When it finally came down to it, he was keeping 10% and giving God 90%. And he was still a multi-billionaire. He still was getting more than he could even spend or do anything with. Because he truly engaged God in his life. He understood who he was through Christ. So who are we? The theme for the men's ministry this year, the passage is a chapter I just love, really the first part of it is, I quote time and time again, as a chaplain I do a lot of counseling, I've done a lot of counseling and you get a lot of young soldiers who have gone through a bunch of abuse. And when I was a basic training chaplain I came to the conclusion, not scientific study, but I think I, there's enough to prove it out there that about 90 to 90% of the females who come into the military have faced some kind of abuse from what I call simple emotional mental abuse to severe physical sexual abuse. And men are somewhere probably 50% or higher. Men I can't gas grasp as much on because we don't talk about those things as much. We don't deal with those things or share those type of things. And so I get these people who come in and they just are crushed about who they are. I had one soldier who went through basic training and she literally ran away from home. She was adopted and they forced her to live in the garage and fed her like a dog. She ran away and joined the army. And her parents had called, her dad specifically called the commander and says, uh, be cautious, you know. I don't think so. She was our best soldier, hung up on him. But she's confused about who she is, about her self-worth and where it's at. And we look at Psalms 139, and we see who oh, God sees us. How many has read Psalms 139 recently? Anybody? Psalms 139, if you have not read it recently or if you've not ever read it really, check it out. 
that first part of it, you begin to understand who you are and how God sees you. And it's pretty powerful. One, if you're trying to hide from God, (laughs) David says, even if I make my bed in hell, you're there, you see me, you know me. Your thoughts of me are just more than I can count or number. Psalms 139.14 says that we're amazing and miraculously made. So if God, his names are all these, then how do you think that he's going to take and create junk? Who you are in him is not junk. You were miraculously and specially made. You were knitted. You are unique. You're not supposed to be like anybody else. You bring special talents and gifts to the body of Christ. We're not all supposed to be the same. Because if we're all the same, we're not achieving much. So don't compare yourself to somebody else and say, well, I'm not like them. Good. That makes you special. And you have something that the body needs. Who else are we? We're children of God. John 1, 12. Friend of Jesus. How many of you act like you're a friend of Jesus? Sometimes we get a little scared, don't we? I can't be a friend of Jesus. He's greater than I. He's perfect. He's, you know, there's somebody in your life that says, how can I be their friend because they're so perfect and great? And you're going, not me. What do you do if you're a friend of somebody? You spend time with them? Hang out with them? Maybe laugh, joke, right? Share the deep parts of your life? Whoever's your best friend should know less about your life than Jesus does. Take those things and let God take and deal with it. Share your ups and downs. Recently, somebody asked me, how do I pray? Talk. When I first took and got my minister's license, I was on staff at a church and uh, I led prayer time, and I grew up in the old assembly of God where you had certain words and flowery things to say, and almighty God, and whoa, you know, type stuff. And this, my pastor and a good friend said, Rick, why do you pray that way? Isn't that the way I'm supposed to pray? He says, but it's not you. It's not who you are. It sounds fake. It looks fake. It it comes across as fake. So I decided at that point, I'm not going to pray it that way anymore. I'm going to pray who I am. It seems to be more effective because I've done that at official ceremonies, I prayed in who I am. Some of you who may have gone to military official ceremonies, you've heard some chaplains pray. And go, really? I chose not to pray that way. I chose to pray who I am because I'm a friend of Jesus and I'm going to pray to him as if I'm having a conversation with him. I'm going to talk with him. Sit down and have a conversation. Yes, if somebody sees you in an open field or on a bench talking to yourself, they might think you're, you've lost it, but that's okay. Let them think that. You get to have a good conversation. But what happens when you're a friend also? Sometimes you need to shut up so your friend can speak into your own life. 
Sometimes we monopolize the conversation, don't we? Even with our own friends, and if we shut up, we can hear from them too. And we need to hear from God. Some of you need to know and understand you're a new creation. You're a new creature. Old things are passed away. Satan keeps wanting to come tap on you and say, hey, do you remember X, Y, Z? There's times in my life I've had some embarrassing moments, and Satan likes to bring those up. At times I'm feeling a little bit down and pity party. And I start to soak in on those, and I go, wait a minute, Satan, shut up, go away. That's not who I am. I'm a new creation. God is recreating me every day. It's a new start. Old things are passed away. You are new and unique. Join heirs. By the way, new creation, friends of Jesus, John 15, 15. New creature, new creation, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. A few other places out there. Joint heirs. What does it mean to be an heir? Say it again. Son and daughter. And you receive the estate. You receive the estate. It is, it is about taking and you are in this equal, right? Though Jesus is not necessarily equal, don't get me under, misunderstand me, but in the, re, in, the, in the inheritance that God has for us, which is everlasting life, we're equal. We're joint heirs with him. Everything we get, it says in Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. If we are his children, we're also God's heirs. If we share in Christ's suffering in order to share his glory, we are heirs together with him. Jesus was his only begotten son, right? If we are son and daughters of God, then makes us joint heirs. Think about that for a moment. If you suddenly found out today that you belong to royalty, wouldn't you act a little different? I'm not saying haughty or anything, but a little bit more proud, a little bit, a little bit more uh, shoulders back, free, a little bit more confident in who you are. Well, that's who you are. I see people walk around all the time like this, Christians, you know, shrump shoulders, hunched over, trying to hide. No. You are joint heirs with Jesus. Stand up. Understand your place in this world and with Christ. Who wants to be a part of a place that everybody is mealy mouse and, and crunched over and trying to hide? Stand up. Be proud of who you are, not in a prideful sense, but in a sense of confidence that you are a son and a daughter of Christ, that you belong. Created in his image, even more so through salvation. Last point of who we are the royal priesthood. Not any priesthood, we're a royal priesthood. We're joint heirs, that makes us a royal priesthood. 1 Peter 2 9. However, you are chosen people. That should take and energize you a bit. Think about it. Those of us who grew up getting chosen to play sports, right? Always felt good to be the first one chosen. Right? Or to get chosen at all. All right. <laughs> you can have so-and-so. <laughs> There's one time, I'm a very competitive person. That's an understatement. And 
there have been units that I've been part of their, their uh, staff PT, and their physical training, and they didn't realize how competitive I was until I came to their first uh, physical training session. And they were playing uh, Ultimate Frisbee. And I said, okay, what's the rules? I've never played this before. They said, one rule, you must stay in arm's length from the person that's throwing the Frisbee. That's the only rule? It's the only rule. I can do that. They should have told me some other rules. In fact, they enacted the chaplain rules after that. <laughs> I never pushed, I never tackled anybody. I just helped them in the, the, des in the destination they were going. Next time, they stopped inviting me to staff PT, and, and uh, I then found out when it was and where it was again, and showed up, and they're playing soccer. My commander goes, I get the chaplain. <laughs> Chosen. He just didn't want to play against me is all. But it's chosen. My commander wants me. God wants you. You're chosen. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. People who belong to God. When you know where you belong to, how does that make you feel? If you ever not known where you belong and then you belong someplace, doesn't it make you feel good? I've seen it oftentimes, people don't know where they belong and they join the military and suddenly you see them perk up. They know who they are, they know what they're doing, they have a purpose and they change this verse should change our lives, knowing who we are. We're a royal priesthood. You were chosen to tell about the excellent quality of God. Uh-oh. Pastor says this all the time. Tell somebody. What's well, he ends with Sundays most of the time's on? My due tomorrow, right? It's one of the reasons I take my robocalls. I like to tell people about Jesus, so I take the robocall. Sometimes I get cussed out. Sometimes they let me pray for them. But we're chosen to tell of the excellent qualities of God. Why is it important to know who God is and understand his name? Because we've got to tell people about his excellent qualities. If you don't know God, if you're not spending time with him, how can you tell about him? Well, I got saved. Okay. And then, Right? You were chosen to tell about the excellent quality of God who called you out of darkness into a marvelous light. Who's God? Who are you? And how does that play together? And are you allowing God to fully be engaged in describing who you are? Or are you allowing Satan to creep in with those things in the back of your head. And you begin to lose your confidence in the salvation that you have. The more you get to know God, the importance of this tonight is getting to know God because in getting to know God, you get to know how he sees you and you see yourself then in a better place. And then you're more willing to share about what you got. You're more willing to share about the dark, about the place you came from and what you have now. The marvelous light that you have. And you do it with a greater confidence because God's engaged throughout your life. It's a little harder to share when you don't know. Well, I don't know what to say. Well, have you engaged in Scripture to understand what to say? Have you engaged to understand that he's your shepherd, he's your, your provider, he's your healer, he's your sanctification, he's your righteousness? And then you take that and you add to it that you're a child of God, you're joint heirs with him, you're a friend of Jesus. You're chosen, you're a royal priesthood. And you begin to be able to share with people those great things. 
It empowers you, and it comes from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Because none of that can you do on your own. But the power of the Holy Spirit comes the more we understand. It's a combination of things that go. Who are you? Somebody asks you that, can you tell them? Can you tell them? Who are you? Can you tell them I'm, I'm a joint heir with Christ? I'm a friend of Jesus. Instead of just telling them, well, I work at the mountain. I work at Fort Carson. I work at the dealership. I work wherever it is that you work. You're more than what you do in Jesus. How should we, should we pray tonight? I like how pastor does that. How should we pray about this? That we would figure out and respond to who God wants us to be. That we can understand who we are and, and respond in who he wants us to be. That we'll be engaged. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your scripture that reveals who you are to us. You are a provider. You are a shepherd. You are our healer, our sanctification our righteousness. You're our creator in that we understand that we are chosen, a royal priesthood. Help us to greater understand ourselves and who you are through Scripture so that we can rightly share with others that we can do with boldness and pride and excitement, Heavenly Father, that we got something that's worthwhile because we are worthwhile, not because of who we are, but because of who you are. Help us understand greater who you are and our worth to you. Let us grow in your power, Heavenly Father, and let your Holy Spirit come on each one that they could be empowered to share the great news. Go with each one tonight. Lord, Heavenly Father, let them have a greater grasp in who they are in you and how much you care. And give this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You all have a great night. As Pastor has said before, don't have to go home. Can't stay here.